You all look like happy little Vegemites. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad I'm preaching this word this morning because everything that's been said basically is just kind of confirming this is the word I meant to speak this morning and it's all about faith. And we've sung songs on faith and um, just about everybody that's talked this morning has had something to say that I've got written in my message. So I really, my prayer is that you will be built up in your faith this morning, absolutely built up and strengthened. And Haley said something, I can't remember the term she used, but she talked about strengthening our faith and we have to have that. Um, it's... It's necessary for our lives and in our walk with God. You know, God desires for our faith to be strengthened and to grow continually in him and to be built up because your faith honours God and in return, God honours your faith. Amen? It's necessary for receiving from God and it's necessary for every area of our lives. You know, this walk we walk is one of faith. It's not by sight, it's faith, every step of the way. We wake of a morning, we plant our feet firmly on the ground, where well, we hope it's, there's a ground there and there's not a big sinkhole going to swallow us up or something. <laughs> but we get out of bed and everything we do is in faith. We send our kids off to school and we believe and have faith that God will protect them and look after them, don't we? And we have faith that God will provide every need that we have for our daily needs. We have faith that when we travel, and especially in foreign countries these days, that God is going to protect us and look after us and keep us safe and make sure we're secure. We need faith when it comes to guidance and direction for our lives and the things that we we need to make decisions on and we need that faith to be able to do that, that God will provide that for us. We have faith um, that God is looking after our hard-earned money. We can't always trust in banks and earthly institutions. We have faith that when we get sick, that God is going to heal us and that even though we may go through it a bit, he's sustaining us through that. We have faith for the unexpecteds in our lives, things that just suddenly hit us and throw us about. And, you know, we need faith that God is going to look after us and he's going to bring us through those situations. So it's essential, it's necessary, that sustains us, faith sustains us in our trials and it also keeps us connected to God. Basically, every step we take is one of faith. Faith is a God-powered and spiritual force which drives us and enables us to stand firm with a certainty and an assurance that our reliance on God and his word and our expectations of him will not fail us because he is a faithful and loving God. You know, God doesn't want to deprive us of the good things in life. Some... 84.11 says, no good thing does God withhold from those whose walk is upright. So his heart is to bless us. In the book of Mark 11.20-24, we see Jesus with his disciples 
And they pass this fig tree and Jesus looks at the fig tree and says, well, he curses it because he could see there was no fruit. And they kept going and later in the day, they walk past that same fig tree and Peter remembers that. And so what he says in Mark chapter 11, he says, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him and said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So it was kind of a lesson for the disciples. You know, um, Jesus was trying to tell them, well, you know, you can speak to something that, and speak into the circumstances, something that looks impossible, but it can happen if you just believe. You know, the, um, when it talks about the mountain, uh, in Jewish literature, the mountain was used as a metaphor for doing what seemed to be impossible. And we've all got our mountains. We've all got things that we're believing for. But we all have different levels of faith. You know, for one person, what seems to be impossible, for the next person, it's totally possible. They don't have any doubts whatsoever. But regardless of that, you know, the word tells us we only need faith. And in fact, it says we only need the faith of a mustard seed, which is the most tiniest seed and grows into an absolute massive tree. But using that little bit of faith, we can receive what we are believing for and it can be something absolutely great. So what is faith? It's the belief that something will come about without the need of proof. It's living your life on what you don't see, but what could be. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's believing in someone or something or for something, and it takes hold of you and it consumes your thinking, and it becomes a passionate endeavour within us to want to reach out and touch that thing or grab hold of it and bring it into our lives and be living in it. And in the case of having faith in someone, it's really putting our life into their hands. It's relying on, it's depending on that person, placing our trust in them and giving over completely sometimes to their cause. And that's what we've done with God. Faith is something you can't touch. It's not tangible. But you can see the result of it. It's the realisation of our incompleteness. When we look at what we can't do on our own, but that there is this higher power that we can draw from 
and who can give us the things that we desire and the things that we're praying and believing for, things that we're lacking in and that will take us to another level or another place in our lives. Faith causes us to rise above our circumstances and reach into the unknown and that gives us a vision of what could be. We see and when we see what could be, then we become challenged to believe and we think, hey, this can actually happen. You know, it's possible. It's not impossible, it's possible. Did you know God wants to fill our lives with good things? He really wants to bless us. His heart is to bless us and to just love on us completely. But we have to believe that he wants to bless us. We really have to believe it. We have to put our faith and trust in our Heavenly Father. And when you do this, your faith starts to rise and then it changes the dynamics. Making the impossible possible. Then faith will say, I can't do this, but I know someone who can. Amen? And you know, there's no such word as can't. Not in my mum's eyes. <laughs> when I was a little girl, there's five girls in the family and whenever she asked us to do something, it was, I can't. Mums, do you relate to that? <laughs> and she would come back at me straight away and she'd say, there's no such word as can't. Sorry. <laughs> and in God's eyes, there's no such word as can't. There's no such word as impossible. Absolutely not. You know, in 1982, I was doing um, Bible college at what used to be, well, it was Clemsig AOG, which became Paradise Community Church, which is now Influences Church. And uh, I did Bible college my first year back then. And a group of us young people um, from the youth group used to go out and have supper after the youth meeting. And I think this particular Saturday, um, I had actually sung at the youth group with my guitar. And so my guitar was just travelling around with us wherever we were going that night and uh, I had a friend called Dorothy she was a Scottish Canadian girl and um, beautiful friend and she took me home that night and she was about to drop me off and she said look why don't you just leave your guitar in my car she said I'll 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 take it to college in the morning and um, we'll catch up then well next morning I got up and uh, I got this phone call and she was um, apologising like crazy and she said, I'm so sorry, Sharon. She said, but I, got, I went to get in the car this morning and your guitar was not there. Somebody had stolen my guitar out of her car. And I think she kind of overlooked the fact that the car didn't lock. <laughs> and um, and I, I didn't react in, in a negative way. I just straight away said to her, well, I'm just going to believe that God will convict that person so much that they'll drop that guitar back on your front doorstep because I believe it. I believe he can do it. It's not impossible. <laughs> and we went to college that morning and we shared it with the, the students and the faculty and they all prayed about it. And 
you know, most were agreeing with us that that's what God would do. But there were some there that were very sceptical. And I'm thinking, you're at Bible college, you shouldn't be sceptical, you shouldn't be doubting. (laughs) What are you here for? And um, anyway, two weeks later, uh, during that time, we, we, Dorothy and I really stood in faith together about this. Two weeks later, she went out, or we both went out for supper and she dropped me off home again. She got home and it was about 12.30 in the morning and I get this call and she's just so excited. And she said, I can't believe it. She said, I got home and your guitar's sitting on my front doorstep. Isn't that amazing? And I didn't say, oh, I don't believe it because I knew that God could do it. And yes, and that was a special guitar because my dad bought it for me and it had this beautiful leather strap. He used to work for R.M. Williams and he had honeycombs and, and, um, and bees. He had etched in with these tools because he used to do leather work on this beautiful strap with a big brass buckle and that was the only thing that they took. <laughs> and I wasn't worried because I knew dad could make me another one, which he did. <laughs> but you see what seemed impossible... And it was absolutely possible in God's eyes. It doesn't matter how difficult a situation is in your life. It doesn't matter how serious it is. And what you see or what you don't see. Matthew 19.26 says, With man it's uh, it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And it doesn't matter what the professionals, you know, medical people are saying to you about your sickness. We don't take notice of that. We take notice of what God says in his word. It doesn't matter what the facts or what reality says. Reality doesn't come into it in God's eyes. Not at all. But we look at that, don't we? In our humanness, we do that. Faith overrides everything. And it has the power to change things. In fact, faith is the power. I want to tell you a little bit more about what faith is. First and foremost, it's, it's having a relationship with God. That is the most important thing. It's forming a bond with him, one that is grounded and completely... Um, saturated in the word of God and prayer and and coming to him and talking with him on a daily basis and spending that quality and quantity time with God. That is the most important thing because that's where our faith comes from, knowing him, spending that time with him. We need to be rooted and grounded in him and his word and this is how we get to know him. This is how we learn. This is how we grow in trusting him. And, you know, if we truly know God, then what follows is a real faith in him for every area of our lives. And every step of the day, we can stand firm in the knowledge that he has our back, that he's protecting us, that he's enabling us, he's strengthening us, and he's equipping us. Another thing, faith, is it's a challenge. Who likes challenges? <laughs> I don't mind in some areas. It tests our ability to see God in our circumstances. 
It tests who our dependency is on, what our foundation is, what it is that we're placing our security in. You can't expect God to fill your life if you don't believe in him, if you don't have faith in him and you're putting your trust and your faith in man and in earthly institutions and in other things, how can you expect God to bless you if you don't believe? We have to believe in him. You see, those things have cracks and flaws. Man and earthly institutions have cracks and flaws and defects. They fail us. They're unreliable. And all I can say is, thank goodness, God's in control. (laughs) Thank goodness. We can relax, we can chill out and rest in the fact that God's in control. Now, God's reliable, he's dependable, he's faithful, he's infallible. He's, sorry, fallible. Is that the word? Infallible, fallible. Infallible, that's it. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) And he's never changing, he's never failing. You know, we live in an imperfect world and we get imperfect results. Luke 18, 27 says, God can do what man can't. But man can stand in faith. That's what we can do. Might be the only thing we can do sometimes. And then it will be according to our faith for what he can do for us. Matthew 9.29 says, According to your faith be it done for you. And their eyes were opened. Verse 22 says, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Faith is all about endurance as well. It's Our our endurance actually lets God know that we're for real. Because if we stick it out, we're proving to him that we want to be in it for the long race that we want to be here, we want to trust in him, we want to serve him. It just shows how serious we are about him and our walk with him. It proves to him and gives testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And it proves that he is our focus. And like I said, we're in it for the long race. And it's only by our endurance that we see our reward and our answered prayer and things fulfilled in our lives. Hebrews 10.36 says, You have need of endurance, and when you've done the will of God, then you will receive what is promised. When I went on the IVF program, and some of you have heard this testimony, um, I have a son who's 13 and a half years old, and he's an embryo donor baby. And I had him when I was 47, not quite as old as Sarah. (laughs) Um, 
But it took endurance and faith to see that through. I knew I couldn't do anything, but I knew God could. And it was 10 years from the time I first started praying about having a child to the time I got pregnant, there was a 10-year period. And I actually didn't have any confirmation whatsoever about going ahead on this. Um, I can remember praying because my dad was a real staunch person. He didn't give in to a lot of modern ideas and things like that. But when I, took, I said to the Lord, I said, well, if I take that to my dad and I tell him what I'm going to do, um, if he agrees, I'll just, you know, if he's, he's okay with that, um, I'm going to take that as a go-ahead. But I actually didn't have any written confirmation or nobody gave me a word. And so when I talked to my dad about it, the first thing he said to me was, you know, sometimes God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And I originally, when I thought of that idea way back, I thought, no, I'm not going to go down that road. I want to have my own biological child. And it just didn't work out like that. But I thank God for the child that I have. He is such a blessing. And so it definitely tested my faith. And I went through four families with ten embryos, starting at the tallest, of course, (laughs) And going down the the list, getting to the last one, just happened to be the shortest. (laughs) I think they're about five foot six and five foot seven. (laughs) Oh, in your eyes, Gina. (laughs) And um, got to the last family and the two embryos that were there thought out. Now, get this, the the, the couples who were in line before me, they had every opportunity to have those embryos and they all said no. And there must have been about four or five couples. I was told I could be waiting eight months. I ended up waiting just a few months. And I knew God was in it. And they all neglected or rejected the, the embryos because there was this little thing on the bottom of most of the families that said oh, it could be a possibility of cystic fibrosis or some other disease or whatever. And I thought, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just not going to accept that. I believe God can choose the right child for me and that child will be completely healthy. And so I went ahead and did it. And as a result, Sam was the one that took and I know that God chose him. So he was on ice for 10 years, which I better be careful how I say that because... (laughs) No, he wasn't. Not not drugs. (laughs) Just in the laboratory. And um, so, you know, nearly 10 years he was sitting in a laboratory frozen, like a little popsicle. And then I got him and, oh, such a blessing. God knew exactly the personality he'd have and that it would suit me and he's just so wonderful. So I thank God for that but what seemed to be impossible, God made possible. And my mum had actually 10 years beforehand knitted this beautiful little burgundy jumper and booties in faith that I would have a child one day. Faith is also stepping out and taking a risk. Sometimes we have to step into the unknown. Sometimes we are taken down paths that are unfamiliar to us. 
and things can be daunting and, and um, you know, it's so much easier to step back rather than to step out of our comfort zone and take a risk. To some, stepping out into unknown places, you know, they're excited about that. They love the challenge. But to others, it can be daunting and you can have a lot of fear. I uh, had a trip to Cooper Pedy just after Christmas and I'd been up in Darwin to see my older sister and the thought of coming back and spending four and a half weeks in the house on my own, I didn't like. I didn't want to be on my own. I didn't want to be lonely and I wanted company. So I thought, well, I'll go to Cooper Pedy and, and see my sister Jo and my other sister Lois. Um, but then when I started thinking about, oh, it's over 900 k's, I'm a single woman on my own. Um, what if the car breaks down? What if the tyres blow up? What if this? What if that? And there's just so many what ifs. And I felt God say to me very clearly, I want you to step out and take a risk. Don't be afraid to make a decision. I will be with you and there'll be nothing to be concerned about. So I thought, well, okay, I can do this. My sisters do it all the time on their own. And, but then I suddenly thought, oh, no, but if I ring my sister, she's likely to say no. And I was worried she'd say no because she'd had kids with her over Christmas and her family and she just wanted time out maybe. And God's sitting up there shaking his head and going, oh, just call her. <laughs> Just call her. So I did. And she was excited. She was so excited about me coming up. And I hadn't even unpacked my bag from Darwin, so I just was ready to go. And on that Monday morning, I took off about 5.30 and I had the most fantastic time travelling up there on my own. <laughs> With God, of course. But like I said, you know, we have challenges. And... Um, I had one when I was 20 minutes out of Coopapedi and I'd had my bag sitting on the passenger side on the floor and quite often I'd go out, take my purse with me and my phone, come back in, throw the purse on the bag and just leave it there. And I looked down and I thought, oh, I better pick up my purse. I thought it had fallen on the floor and I suddenly realised my purse is not there. And I was two and a half, it was two and a half hours from Glen Dambo to um, Coopapedi I, like I said, was 20 minutes out of Coobapedi and suddenly I started to panic. I pulled over, I checked the whole car and I started to panic and get very anxious and I'm thinking, oh no, and whoever gets my purse is going to start using my cards and they're going to spend all my money and they're going to do this and that and I thought, well, I'll just ring my sister, I'll just see what, you know, if I can get through to her and she can ring the service station and let them know. And I must have rung about six times and every time I did, the phone came up. On the phone it came up, no network available. And I thought, oh, thanks. <laughs> what am I going to do? And then suddenly just something grabbed hold of me and I just thought, why am I panicking? Why am I being anxious and worrying about this? I've got a God who can help me out here. <laughs> And he's come through for me before, so why am I doing this? And I just composed myself and I thought, I'm just going to give her one more try. And when I looked at the phone, there was a missed call. And that missed call 
I didn't recognise the number and I'm thinking, oh, what if it's the lady from the Glen Dambo service station? Maybe she looked in my purse and got my phone number. And um, Anyway, I rang it and she said to me, your sister rang me. I said, how's that possible? I said, there was no network available. She said, well, she rang me. And she said, and your purse is here and it's safe. And she checked and made sure everything was in it and let me know that I could actually ring the Greyhound bus service in Queensland because that stops there and picks up mail and stuff. And I could actually get my purse dropped off to me the day after. And I had to pay $25 for eight, but that's okay. And um, anyway, I got back into um, Cooperpedia and when I arrived at my sister's, she told me that she received the message and she said, Shaz, that just does not happen. She said, that's impossible. She said, nobody gets um, network coverage out there past Cooperpedia. She said, that was God. And I knew it was. I knew it was. And so what seemed to be another impossible situation, God brought about as being possible. And it was a lesson learnt because sometimes God teaches us lessons along the way. And my lesson was... Stop panicking. Don't get panicky and anxious to start with. Take it to the Lord in prayer. My dad used to always say to me, have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? (laughs) And that's the first thing we need to do rather than get all upset over it. So as I said before, taking a risk can mean doing things that are foreign to us and going to unknown places. Um, Isaiah 42, verse 16 says, And I will lead the blind, and in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, I will guide them. And I will turn the darkness before them into light the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do and I will not forsake them. And if you look at that middle part of the verse where it says, I will turn the darkness before them into light and the rough places into level ground. Now that's a promise from God. But we've still got to stand in faith and believe he can do that. And then when he says, these are the things I do, and I do not forsake them, it's like, oh, it's just what I do. (laughs) You know, no big deal. It's normal. It's just who he is, isn't it? It's just what he does. Yeah, Abraham took a risk stepping out in faith when he took his son to the altar up on the mountain. But he knew his God could come through for him. And it was according to his faith. And God provided that lamb for the sacrifice. Faith is agreeing with what is written in the word of God. Refusing to accept anything else other than what God's word says. It's refusing to say anything that contradicts God's word. 
It's also refusing to accept anything negative which contradicts God's word that other people say. Have you noticed how everybody's got an opinion? When you share something with them, everybody's got an opinion, everybody thinks they know best, that they're right and that they have first-hand knowledge about what God wants for your life. Not everybody, but some. Um, and Romans chapter 1, 11 and 12 says, this is Paul speaking to the Romans, and he says, For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And then in verse 12 he says, That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other, or by each other's faith, both yours and mine. In another version of the Bible it says that your faith will help me and my faith will help you. You know, we need to always to support and stand alongside of those who are believing in faith for their situation because it mutually encourages and strengthens. If those of you who are standing in faith for something, if you choose to listen and you choose to take on board what others say about your situation, because there's always sceptics and doubters out there, you know, their words can cause any fruit that you've produced or any growth in your life, any life in you to die because there's power in the tongue and the word of God tells us that. When the roots of a tree are not planted deep enough in the soil, eventually they die. The tree dies, it turns grey, it becomes a hollow log. But it has to receive the food and the nutrients from the roots deep down into the soil. And that's like us. We need to have our roots firmly planted in the word of God and in our relationship with God. It causes us then to stand firm in our faith. There are things to consider where faith is concerned. Um, 1 John 5, 14. says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. So it has to be within the will of God. And I don't know if we always think of that when we're praying for something. We just think, oh, well, it's a good thing, you know. Uh, it's not a bad thing. Why wouldn't God give me this? But, you know, when it comes to the will of God, as written in the word of God, it's talking about, like, we have our basic needs. That's God's word says that he will provide our every need. He says he wants us to prosper. He says he wants us to walk in full health. He says... He wants us to fulfil our purpose and use our gifts in life. He wants us to have a partner in life. He wants us to have children. He wants us to have protection and safety in our lives, overcome things in our lives, walking in favour. They're all written in the word of God. So that is God's will for our lives. Can you understand that? 
So if you're praying to God and asking him for something, and it's one of these areas, it's automatic. It's in the will of God. It's what he wants for you. All we need to do is to seek God for your personal life. Now, everybody's got a a personalised plan that God has set out. Not one person is really the same. It's all different. Something else we need to consider, that there's a time and a season for things. Because God's word in Ecclesiastes says... um, There's a time and a season for everything under the sun and we have to consider that too. Now, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, um, I'm going to put down this time frame that God will deliver this to me. He has other ideas sometimes. Um, But, you know, we may have to wait for it. But then um, chapter 3, verse 11 in Ecclesiastes says, he makes all things beautiful in his time. God considers all things. He looks at the bigger picture, which is something we don't always see. He has a bigger scope than us, and so he plans within that scope. So the time and season, or the appointed time, are connected to our waiting. Habakkuk 2.3, that says... For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. You know, we have to also consider God's timing is different than ours. Uh, Isaiah 55 talks about his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. So God may do things in a different time frame to what we think and what we're expecting. And there's also a lot of preparation and planning that goes on within that waiting period as well. He says in Isaiah 14, 24, As I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. God's a stickler for every detail. He works everything out perfectly for us. And we have to consider that because sometimes we're tempted to do things on our own. We're tempted to try and work it out for ourselves. We're tempted to go ahead of God and do things to get the thing to come about much more quickly. We become frustrated, we become despondent, we become doubtful that God can even do it. We become impatient. And so we want to step in and take control. We try to sit in the driver's seat, don't we? (laughs) And it doesn't work. It's far better to wait for God because you get a far better result you get the best result and you won't have any regrets. I always look at these two here. I can remember when Therese shared with me 
in Strathalbyn a few years ago that she wanted to get married and she was believing for her husband. And then I remember her saying how she'd met Paul and oh, I just admire their relationship. I just think they're wonderful and that just shows the blessings of God on their life and how he's brought something to fruition in their lives. But she had to wait about nine years, didn't she? Oh, ten. Okay, ten years. Ten seems to be the number today. <laughs> ten years I prayed for Samuel. Ten years ago, my mum before that had knitted this thing and there were ten embryos. <laughs> and that's a significant number in the word of God. It's about completion or something. Um, but yeah, there you go. When we do wait, we get the best. You will appreciate it so much more when it's God-given. When you know his hand is in it, you're going to thank him so much. And then it's like, I guess, when a woman gives birth to a child, all that pain suddenly goes and you're just living in the blessing and and excited and, and it's just wonderful that God's blessed you and he's brought about this thing in your life that you've been believing for. It won't be second rate. It'll be the best. Psalm 38, 15 says, But for you, O Lord, I wait. Do I wait? It is you, O my Lord, who will answer. That says it all, I think. Now, we've got to understand that the time waiting sometimes is a necessary thing. I remember God speaking to me about a year ago and I was in tears and I was feeling so tired and so drained I'd had a lot of attacks from the enemy and been through a big upheaval and with my health and a whole lot of other things and I just felt oh so drained and so tired and I felt God he just came to me and he said I know it's hard waiting it's so hard and I feel your pain and your tears are my tears and he went on to say but it's necessary it's necessary in that waiting time God can teach us all sorts of things and he certainly has done that in my life he's certainly grown me and matured me in a lot of areas and so I can see that it's been necessary to do that I'm still believing for these things in my life to come about I have a list about five major things (laughs) And I know that in the right time, God will do it. I may still feel despondent sometimes. I may still feel, oh, I'm just sick of this waiting, Lord. When is it going to happen? And my heart aches to have some things happen. But I do always go back to that it's necessary. It's necessary. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I really pray that this message has built up your faith and I really pray that God will help you to stand firm in what you're believing for. I've been talking mainly this morning on the premise that what you're believing for is in God's will and that you've just been waiting for a long time. Um, And so I pray that, you know, God will build you up continually. He'll continually strengthen your faith. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's hard, but don't give up. 
You've got to endure. You've got to persevere. Don't let the negatives render your faith useless. Continue to claim what you're believing for. Stand firm. Continue to go to the word of God. Continue to pray. Pray without ceasing, the word of God says. And continue, above all, to focus on him and seek him and his will. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for your love and for your blessings, Lord. And the fact that, Lord, you would just want to bless us so much and take the time to prepare things and work things out for these things that we're believing for. I pray, Lord, in every single person here that you will just put something solid into them, Lord, that they can take away from here, put a tenacity into them, not to give up, Lord, but to really stand firm on your word, Lord, continually drawing from that to encourage them and build up their faith. Pray that you'll touch each person here today, Lord. And Lord, you will just give them words of encouragement like you have me, Lord. Place people around them, Father, that will be positive and support them in their faith endeavours, Lord. Just strengthen each one of us here today, Lord. And give each one the desires of their heart. Thank you, Father. Amen.